I got 99 problems, but a podcast ain't one. You're listening to episode 99, a podcast takeover in real life with Nathan Oley and George Hawkins. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water Lab. Hi, this is George Hawkins, and I am the founder and president of Moonshot Missions. This is a podcast that is demonstrating the value of communication in the water sector. It's water in the real life of my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. We are proud to announce our new nonprofit venture, Rogue Water Lab. A tribe, an experience, a calling, a hub where you can learn, connect, and grow. The lab is cultivating the next generation of innovators in water communication and education. Why? Because progress is a human story. And those who tell the stories rule the world. So the question now belongs to you. Are you ready to join the revolution? So I think one of the things that's been the most helpful for me dealing with isolation and quarantine and all that from COVID-19 has been the amazing people that we continue to still get to interact with, if even by Zoom, through all of this. And so it was just what the doctor ordered to be able to have a podcast takeover with Nathan Oley, who you may remember from a few episodes ago, the CEO of the Rural Community Assistance Partnership and George Hawkins, CEO of uh, Moonshot Missions. And yeah, it was, it's kind of, it's been cool in the different opportunities when we've had the mic turned back at us and we get interviewed and asked all the tough questions that we normally ask people. It's cool, but there's one question we didn't get asked and I'm dying to know your answer. I know we talk a lot every day, but like we don't every day get to get to the deep questions, you know. So here's the one question they didn't ask. (laughs) What is the largest impact you've made on an organization or in the water sector generally? They were going to ask this of individuals, but I'm going to answer it as a collective. But if I miss anything, jump in. But this is when I saw this question, I actually got bubble guts because, like, it's something that I feel like we struggle with. Um, and particularly, like, recently, just what impact are we making? Are we doing enough? Um, you know, are we really making a difference? And you know, I think the, the biggest imposter lesson, syndrome sets in all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think something that we have to remind ourselves or do remind ourselves a lot about is this, this job that we're in is creating behavior change and that just doesn't happen overnight. It's hard to measure. But I think the thing that you and I have both found to be true is that we 100% depend on the people, like the feedback, mm. people sharing yeah. their stories with us, whether it's in the messages, the direct messages that you send us or the things that you retreat, retreat wow, retweet, retreat, or <laughs> that you share with us or the LinkedIn messages, you guys, the emails, when I, when I put out a question in the, the lab notes, our, our uh, weekly newsletter and you actually respond. Oh, like that's Hell just, yeah. you guys have no idea how much that means to us. You, you don't know how many of you on at different occasions we have been at some of our lowest of lows. And it seems like just through Providence, we get a message from one of you that just like brings us back. And so, um, yeah, to add to that, like it was pretty crazy. Like a couple of weeks ago, we did have a pretty low moment. We were like, man, what are we doing? Are we doing enough? And it was within minutes, bam, 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 four or five different messages in all the variation, like Twitter, email, yeah, whatever other medium. We're on. I think it was Instagram, like all these other, and we, the people were being so kind and we weren't, you know, looking for it. It just, I think the universe knew that it had to remind us like we're in this together we're in this in the long haul and, we're, and it's not going to be easy and yeah you know. so kudos to all y'all and, and just the way that we've seen organizations beginning to take communication more seriously yeah. uh asking for help looking for that help getting seeing more communication opportunities available at conferences i mean transformative issues theme was going to be all about communication this year yeah the yp summit's whole focus this year was on communication uh shout out to the pacific northwest clean water association who's going to have a whole comms track 
for the first time in their their technical session, just a track dedicated to comms. I mean, so just seeing those steps like that happening out there, seeing other people seeing the value in it, I feel has been, I mean, where we see the biggest impact. Even having the excitement that we did in launching the lab um, and getting the feedback that we've gotten from there. So I don't know if our impact comes from you and your stories. And so thank you for sharing those with us. Continue to share those with us. I hope you have fun listening to this chat with Nathan and George. It was it was such a fun one to do. So we had fun. a lot of fun. And uh, without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, Arianne, this one's uh, this this is going to be a special one. I'm excited. Are you? I mean, special or a doozy? You decide. <laughs> <laughs> I say special. Well, this is going to be a special edition of this is water in real life. Yeah, because we're about to have the mics turned on us again. We've had this done before by Travis Bloop with WEF, but this, I mean, this tops it. This is tag team. Turn the mics on us. We're here with George Hawkins with Moonshot Missions and Nathan Oli with RCAP, and they'll talk a little bit more about that. But I'm really excited that we have George because George is one of Rogue Water Labs League of Provocateur members, which mm. uh, is a really fancy way to say advisory board. But because we're rogue, we could never call anything just an advisory, advisory board. board. <laughs> yeah. So we won't make him say it. He can just say that he's a member of the LOP. But uh, we're super excited to be here with uh, with both of you guys today. Thanks yes, for thank you taking guys. us on. Oh my gosh, it is so much fun to be here. This is George Hawkins, and uh, my gosh, uh, I, we're we are so excited. It's like quivering in my little desk here as we're sitting at home doing this. We're all excited, and um, it's just so cool to be interviewing the two of you. I remember that. Maybe it was the very first Catalyst when I came down uh, to Texas and visited mm-hmm. with you all. It was that group and seeing what has happened with you and all the communicating and all these things you're doing. Um, so it's just you're, you're interviewing so many people to uncover their wisdom. And I know it's been done before, but it needs to be done as often as possible for folks to hear your wisdom and what you do and how, how you highlight the important role of communications in this world, a wacky world of water that we're in. And I am pleased to be joined by Nathan, one of my closest friends here in the water world. But in some respects, Nathan and I were good friends, but we come at this from a slightly different angle in between the two of us. I ran a big urban water utility. Nathan represents, uh, is the director of RCAP, Rural Community Assistance Project Program, and they oversee the tens of thousands of smaller communities and rural communities are doing work. So between the two of us, we, we Nathan, we cover the entire- World domination? Uh, how That's about right. that? Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> so uh, Nathan, uh, so I just, uh, so excited for what's going to unfold here. It's going to be really fun. Nathan, turning it over to you. Well, thank you, George, and, and we're super excited to be kind of turning the tables a little bit on, on the two of you here. George and I obviously have participated and been active participants in in this world of podcasts with you guys in the water world, but having, as George talked about, this uh, this urban and rural context uh, in our interview styles and the focus areas that we come from, I think is, is hopefully going to give a really unique aspect to this conversation and challenge you guys a little bit. And I think, Ooh. you know, when we, when George Ooh. and I first reached out, <laughs> challenge accepted. when George and I first reached out, you know, my sense of this was given the times that we're in and COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the importance of communication has never been uh, more prevalent than it is today. Whether we're talking about water or whether we're talking about how we're socially distancing and connecting with people and connecting with communities. And so, you know, my my sentiment behind this was let's turn the tables and talk about why communications is so important, why you guys are doing the work that you're doing, um, and more importantly, continue to raise the profile of both the work that you guys are doing, but the role of communications in the water sector more broadly. And so mm-hmm. we're thrilled and excited. George and I have been uh, secretly texting back and forth with, with different <laughs> questions and ways to, to make this both fun and challenging for both of you guys, but appreciate you guys putting up with us and, and allowing us to, to turn the tables on you guys a little bit. Well, we're, we're excited. I'm ready. Let's go. Good. Good. Well, let's start. Uh, you know, I think the first and foremost, the most important question is, did you choose water or did water choose you? I want to hear your water story. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've heard that question I've before. I've heard this one. 
Um, I don't know, Ariane. I, I think I'll, I'm going to let you go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so I say that I chose water because I, um, I accepted a job in 2009 or so um, for the city of Sugarland as their uh, stormwater communicator or stormwater um, educator. Oh One educator. And um, something about stormwater and education. And um, I sought them out. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, yeah, it sounds great. I can, I like the environment. Um, and then I got um, a very similar job in Mansfield, Texas, because we'd moved up to the DFW area. And so I kept choosing to go back to this same um, job, different title every time, but same style of job. And then one day, um, the utility director walked by and he said, hey, you have a bubbly personality. You want to give a tour? And I said, sure. <laughs> um, what's it about? He said, at the water treatment plant. Sounds good. Um, how different can it be from the fish farms that I used to work <laughs> at, um, at in college? So I think I could do it. Um, so I actually went to, I did the tour with them. It was so much fun. 150 kids. First tour they ever gave. Um, so why not go big or go home, right? Um, and that's kind of what hooked me. I was like, okay, I can dig this. They're bold. They're crazy, obviously. Um, and my favorite part was seeing how the entire utility came together, uh, men, women of all backgrounds and all job titles, just to put on this one tour for 150 kids. Um, and nobody was, you know, everyone was all in. They were showing off their trucks and all their equipment and all of the, everything that goes into the treatment plant. And I said, okay, I'm in. So I weaseled my way into the utility um, and I never left. So she really did weasel her did. way into it. I literally, <laughs> um, I kind of did the reverse office space. I put a desk in the, in the treatment plant and I just kept showing up there every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that in one answer, you got in both the word weasel and fish farm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys get up. to cross that up on your crossword puzzle while listening? Right. Yes, we need to start doing that. Bingo here. Yeah, we need to actually make a water and real life bingo card. That's actually pretty brilliant. So, um, so mine, I would say that water chose me. Uh, my undergrad is actually in business. I was a marketing entrepreneur, double major. Imagine that. I don't know where the yeah. that was going to spirit in. came from, but it's, it stinks that you're not using any of that in your, I'm not in your using real world. Any of it. Um, and but what I realized is that with marketing, I love the creativity and I loved the creativity of designing a campaign. But what I didn't understand is that entry level marketing is oftentimes sales, and I absolutely hate sales. So, and I'm just not really good at it. So, uh, I got really, um, I get really downtrodden about that because I thought that I was going to come out and be doing all of this creative work. And so uh, when I had my daughter, so I went out to the workforce for a year, for a few years. And, but then when I had my daughter, I suddenly like wanted to, I don't know, save the world, make it a better place. And my mom offered to send me back to grad school. And I thought, you know, this time I want to go back for something that really means something to me. So I went back for environmental and I had no idea what that meant. I just, I knew that I've always been, I've always loved the environment and been passionate about it, but it was, I feel like it was my first semester. I took a class on water and wastewater treatment and my professor, that. yeah, my professor, Becky Johnson, who is uh, the reason that I'm in water. I tell her that all the time, but she taught shout this out class. To Becky. Shout out yes. to Becky Johnson, Texas Christian University. Take her class. She's amazing. She just told water's story in a way that I had never, I had never heard before. And all of a sudden I remember just sitting there being like, why the hell does no one else know this? Like, how am I 20 something years old and have like, have never heard this before. And so it just, I've, I fell in love with water that semester. I never went back. My first job was working for a utility also, as a stormwater, uh, um, implementing the stormwater management plan, it's funny how we, we all kind of got in the door as educators that way. Yeah. Um, thank God for those regulations they passed that said that yeah. utilities actually had to hire somebody to do this job because it's, it's legit. But yeah, so I definitely 100% feel like water grabbed me and just has never let go. Yeah, even when I tried to leave and go be a formal teacher, um, educator, yeah, it, like God kept saying, "No, just stay here. 
just a little <laughs> bit longer. Just mm-hmm. hang out here. I got something. Yep. Yeah, uh, I love those stories, and and Stephanie, this does not surprise me, but um, I love your mom already. How about that? <laughs> yeah. oh, you have and no you idea. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. So now, did you both work at Mansfield at the same time doing the outreach and communication? Yeah, I say that I my career in water, water, I was like Goldilocks. So the first city I worked for was too small. The second was too big, but Mansfield was just right. So um, Ariane actually stole me to come yeah. work at the city of Mansfield. So is she still oh. you from the larger utility or the smaller utility? From the, the larger large. one. Whoa. I would never so steal from a small one. That that utility which shall go unnamed, right? <laughs> <clears throat> you know who you are. Okay. Um, so so here you've told us your water stories and how you know, the route and path that you took. And it, it's both a personal connection of the outdoors and with individuals who influenced you. And I think there's a lot of insight on those two principles. But now you've evolved, having had this time with utilities indirectly and have the Rogue Water Lab and the League of Provocateurs and all these things you're doing. So what, what's that story? Where, where, what was the evolution from uh, working away happily in a utility to what it's come to today? Oh boy, you mean the lab or just the Rogue journey in general? <laughs> I would say let's start with the lab. Okay. Yeah. Um, so true to our environmental roots, uh, it happened organically. So <laughs> um, we left our city jobs in November of 2018, not really knowing exactly 2017. What, 2017, Whoa. sorry, 2017, not even hey, Stephanie, really. Stephanie, is that when you got up at 4 a.m. every morning? That uh, that's when I started to, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's when I started to. Um, and it's actually... I want to tell this part of the story because it really, I think this was really a defining moment, not for the lab, but just for Ariane and I as entrepreneurs. Um, We were offered the opportunity to do some marketing work on a pretty large contract with a friend of mine who owned her own marketing company. And so the transition from stable job to entrepreneur just felt, I don't know, pretty easy. I mean, we were going to be, we were going to be making like fairly good money doing this gig. And so, uh, I feel like that's really what gave us the, the guts to the guts and the glory to, to take that leap. Um, there's a lots of other things involved with that as well, but, uh, I think two weeks after our last, our official last paycheck came from the cities when we'd left that contract for her fell through. And so now we had nothing. Oh. Um, we had like some few tidbit, uh, contracts here and there, but nothing that was going to sustain two families. Yeah. And so we lived the definition of bootstrapping Mm -hmm. and we would not have made it that first six to eight months without the, without our network of people that we had worked so hard to, to build over the decade of our careers without the friends that we'd, I mean, like. People really stepped up and I mean, we did everything from marketing for nonprofits to our our friend who's an esthetician and did work for her to a virtual reality conference. Like the (laughs) amount of people that just like either came knowing or I don't think anybody really knew what kind of dire straits that we were in, but just happened to be compelled to call. So from those beginnings, we created Rogue Water uh, LLC, which is our um, our for-profit company that does communication strategy, content development. But Ariane and I are, are informal educators at heart. If we're not teaching someone, if we're not engaging, that's there's it it eats away at our souls, I think. Yeah. So early on, we were like just pumping out pumping out deliverables for people to try to bring in that income. But in January of 2018, Ariane was like, she read a book that I gave her to read. And she was like, by Dory Clark, who is amazing. And she was like, I think we should start a podcast. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. But yes, let's do it. (laughs) And um, but we really wanted this to be legit. So we even hired a a podcast mentor. That is a thing who kind of worked with us and helped us get all of our stuff together during the same period of time, Greg Wukash with San Antonio Water System, who is our mentor and dear friend, he said, would you two be interested in coming up with some sort of summit for educators and communicators, which then became the Catalyst Mastermind Summit. 
So all of this went down in June of 2018. Uh, Catalyst happened the third week of June that year. And we also launched the podcast in conjunction with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those things kind of just happened. And they were these side projects that basically we were volunteering our time to do. But just while Rogue Water LLC was feeding our families, (laughs) uh, Catalyst and the podcast were feeding kind of our, our souls, I guess. And um, then fast forward to last spring, and we were approached by a social impact investor that said, hey, I'm a super big fan of your podcast. Like, how can we help? And we were like, I don't know. We've never thought about that before. So we followed what we call the George Hawkins model. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we, um, you know, we applied to be a project with Multiplier and um, became nonprofit status. And so the lab, Rogue Water Lab, is our nonprofit. And Catalyst and the podcast basically became the foundation or the launching point uh, for that with the hopes of, not the hopes, with the goal of the lab being this hub where, um, you know, our mission is to cultivate the next generation of innovators in communication and education because there are things out there in the water world, but not many. And we just want to be a place for either the educators and the communicators out there or the people who understand the value and importance of it and want to learn more and how to do it and how to apply it to create impact. So that was a very big nutshell, but that's our <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> that's a fantastic story. And I think, you know, you represent what is best about the water industry, right? Folks in the water industry know that you got to be scrappy. You got to, you got to figure things out. Maybe you're using duct tape uh, one day and you're, you know, using a high-end pump the other day, but, you know, especially from our, from my context in, in rural communities, you've got water operators that are also local mayors that are also yeah. the local farmer that are, you know, a firefighter. Uh, and so you scrap and you figure it out and, and you're better because of it and you make the industry better because of it. And so, Thank you guys for for that journey that you've taken and the journey that you've taken all of us alongside. So thank you guys for for doing that. Thank you. In the spirit of of communications and storytelling, I I call communication storytelling because that's what I really believe that it is. What to you, maybe one moment, one example uh, that really highlights what is most special about the water profession to each of you? Mm. That was a tough one. Um, (laughs) There's so many amazing moments that have happened over the past 10 plus years. Um, And I think, you know, one of the things I think that has impacted probably both Stephanie and I are are just the fact that we got to start out in the municipality and not just start out and work behind a desk, um, but start out in the field, Um, start out at the plant, in the field with the guys and gals who are doing the hard work. Um, who are scrappy, who are bold, gutsy, a little crazy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, there's a, there's one guy in particular that I'll never forget. Um, his name's Robbie Isbell and he was a water operator superintendent now um, for the past 20 years. He just recently passed away. Um, but, you know, his ability to not just have a very serious job of being the water treatment plant superintendent, um, but you know, his journey of starting from the bottom, working his way up and just being hilarious throughout the whole thing. And his personality, that is what I'm so grateful that I got to start my career as a young professional under the wings of the Robbie Isbells of the world who just took me under and said, here, here's a place at the table. It's a, it's a stool that's, it, that is wrapped in duct tape and a little wobbly legged, <laughs> but here, here's a place for you. And like, let's figure this out together. So I definitely say the men and women who, who are hands-on out in the field, out at the treatment plants, out at the wastewater plants, they're just badass people. Yep. I don't think that I would be, um, I don't think that I would be where I am today if I hadn't started out in the field yeah. with the, um, I say men and women, but at the first city that I, oh the first city that I worked for, I believe it was all, it was all guys, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, I don't, 
I don't think that they'll ever, any of the ones that I worked with either uh, in any of the cities that I worked with, I don't think any of them will understand how much like they impacted me. Yeah. Um, I can't even like talk about it without getting a little choked up just because I think that they're amazing and that there is, um, I think that everyone in the water industry is great and amazing, but like I have a special place in my Mm -hmm. heart for the field ops people, the field Mm -hmm. ops guys Mm -hmm. and gals. I mean, just reading that story recently about, you know, the, with COVID happening, the water wastewater treatment plant folk, they're not letting any of that stop them from working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They are literally having RVs brought in to the facilities and they're saying, I'll stay here. I'll keep working. You know, it's just that they're just badass. I mean, I don't yeah. have another word for it. They're just awesome, awesome people. Yeah. I, I, uh... I, I love both of the answers that you just gave. The for earlier one, and it will be a, such a great story to remember, and you got to write it down about that time when you were scrambling for work when the first big contractor. Mm-hmm. Think of how many folks have gone on to great heights, and when they started, they have this story of I was barely two nickels, and I kept to it. I kept and I kept at it, and it's, it is as just as Nathan said, it's just a story of the grit and of any successful entrepreneur, and it's it's wonderful to hear. And I, I was just on a phone call earlier this morning with an op- operator, and now it's all visual uh, on uh, online. But he was telling about he was talking about his pump and how it worked. Mm. And I just every time I see it, it catches me is how much pride there is. So much pride in the work that they do. And even if no one else knows it, they're just they're, there's so much dedication and commitment. And I couldn't agree with you more. Now, real quick, the first quick one, because it's probably as, as slow a softball pitch as I could give you, is why communications is so important <laughs> for utilities. Nathan's already sort of given you a preler, but a, a twist to it, which Nathan and I talked about ahead of time. What do you think about small systems that have limited mm. capacity? I mean, some of the places that you're going to work with are going to have communications professionals like you. But in a lot of places that Nathan works with, the person who does communications does billing. He's the operator. He's the mayor. And uh, he goes out and actually turns the dial. And sure. do you have any particular thoughts about how communications, uh, a, the first one, which is the importance of it in this industry, but also how, how does it relate to the thousands and thousands of smaller systems out there with those, these folks that are multitasking continuously? Well, George, it may surprise you to hear me say that I actually don't view communications as an important role for utilities. I view it as absolutely fundamental for a utility in order to be successful and resilient. Um, I think that (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) I, I think that it has been largely forgotten, but I think that if you look at, um, if you AWWA every year puts out their list of the the top issues facing the utility and all the utilities, you know, rank them in order. And I believe that all of them I can attribute a level of communication to and how communication and better communication, more effective communication can um, can help and at least be a great starting ground to address some of those those issues. Um, so yes, I do believe that it's absolutely fundamental when it comes to being uh, in, in terms of role. Uh, if there is one thing that I could tell a small system, and I can't speak for Ariane, but you may see some of our my passion come out in this in this question, is that my first statement to them, and we'll go into this a little bit deeper, so I don't want it to sound harsh, but you don't get to use being a small city as a cop out for not doing communication. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. I think that that happens a lot of times because, and Ariane and I were even guilty of this. Uh, you know, we worked for not a utility that was small as probably the ones that Nathan works with on a daily basis, but um, I don't know, like what, 75,000 people was the population for that it is, from Mansfield? It, it was at right below 50 when I started. And yeah. so it was still fairly small and, you know, but it, even 75, that feels like a giant metroplex to me, but yeah. Um, but I mean, we look, we were working for cities that small and the first yeah. city I worked was for 50,000 and under, but mm-hmm. we go to conferences and we'd see the saws of the world and our San Antonio water systems of the world and DC waters of the world. And, you know, these huge utilities yeah. talking about these amazing things that they were doing. But I think Ariane and I's gift was that we never looked at that as, well, I can't, I could never do that. I don't have the budget for that. I don't have the city for that. 
we were creative. My budget we, was a hundred dollars. I spent ninety nine point ninety nine. I stretched it all the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it doesn't cost. And I think the thing that we've learned the most, and you know, Ariane, you can jump in on this too, is not is that the greatest thing that we've learned is just how important it is to get out there and yeah. to talk to people and to be in your community because it doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and make a phone call to your local community leaders and say like, how can we partner on something? Um, it doesn't cost you anything to show up at community events and just have a presence and talk to people and get that face-to-face -face interaction. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's really going to take to build trust. Mm -hmm. And I would say that if you look at some of the challenges that are facing the water industry now, lack of trust is a huge issue in that. And the lack of trust is making things making things take more time for us as an industry and maybe even cost more as an industry because our trust level is so low with our customers right now. Yeah. And I'll just add like for those smaller cities, you know, don't overthink it. This is your community, your people, you shop, eat, hang out, go to church, you hang out with them, you grocery shop next to them, you know, talk to them, use those as opportunities to talk to them, talk to them constantly, consistently, um, and with that same familiar tone, you know, you don't have to button up just because you're at work. You can still have that same, um, you know, normal down home feel in your communications to people. And you should, you should feel, this should feel familiar to them. Um, I think that, you know, you should talk about your plans, your dreams for your community, um, the people you have on staff you know, you're going to have to get over your fear of the Facebooks of the world of, you know, anything that is remotely free, um, use it. And if you don't have a lot of time, I understand that, um, you know, you, you got to go out to the community. I know it's hard. It takes time. Um, but you've got to start tapping into your local people. There's a lot of great graphic designers. There's volunteers. I did not do anything without a ton of volunteers. You start your keep so-and-so beautiful groups so you can have that handful of men or women who just will show up to your community and run your booth for you. Um, you do things like that. You, you get scrappy and, and you tap into that. You try to build that local pride, you know, and you have to do that by starting within your own organization. And, you know, I just imagined the way you were describing that one person being the firefighter and the water utility person and the mayor you you set up your booth at your community event with all three of those um, sections within your booth and you show people all the roles that you have so they can physically come in and say, oh my gosh, I need to get these, we need to support this organization. We need to get these people more money. We need them to hire more people. So you, you got to build that, you got to be transparent about how hard this is, how hard you're working for them and just, it'll start happening. Yeah. And, and you have to also remember that there's a lot of resources out there, free resources oh out there, like, especially, I mean, shout out to RCAP, some of the communication toolkits that you shared with us in our chat together yeah. were amazing. So free resources everywhere. Yeah. And good ones. Good ones. Yeah. Well, I, I would say the other piece of some, we talk to communities every day is that if you're not willing to tell your own story, no one's going to tell it for you. Right. And so you've got to be willing to be out there to put yourself out there um, to talk about the work that you're doing and the work that, that the community is doing collectively. Mm -hmm. You talk about free resources. Have any examples of small, easy things that, that communities have done? I think of examples like we were down in Arkansas and there was a community that had engaged their schools uh, and had kids paying the sewer drains and around around the the the, mm -hmm. the the sewer drains in their community to help kind of liven up what it is, but also to draw some attention to what it was and the importance of that. Are there any things like that, simple, easy things that you would recommend communities think about or that you've seen communities do that, that are easy ways to engage the community or have a little fun with it? Uh, yes. Painting storm drains, painting any kind of thing like that, painting the dumpsters that are around town. That's a thing, creating yeah. the art. Um, I can remember when this, the town that I live near, um, they allowed high school kids to come in and paint a lot of their buildings with these huge murals. And half the community was like, heck yeah, this is beautiful. And the other half was like, what is this? This is the weirdest thing. We're not Austin. Um, but, <laughs> you know, years later, it's bright, it's fun. 
people take pictures in front of it. It brought the community together. Like it's going to feel weird and uncomfortable when you get out there and start do, making these little changes like that. Embrace that, lean into it because the more weird it is, the more attention you're going to get and embrace that attention and, and, and turn it showing you'll be able to show that it's good attention by you being authentic and having those good intentions as you go forth with that. I'm going to go, I'm going to re-say Arianne's point of not overthinking it and don't try to recreate the wheel. Um, But if you're kind of stuck on ideas, look around at what's already being done and see how you can integrate yourself into that. So the beautiful thing about water is that water is everywhere. Everyone uses water. Everyone needs water. You know, the idea that initially comes out is like a lot of churches, for example, uh, and a, a like to do some sort of volunteering event or something like that. And mm-hmm. maybe there is a maybe there's a creek or something that needs a cleanup. Like you can see if that's happening. It's super simple. You can organize a lot of places like uh, the the Home Depots and Lowe's of the world. They'll donate items a lot of times for people to do cleanups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go do that stuff. And now you have an opportunity to talk to people about where their water comes from. And maybe their water doesn't come exactly from that creek, but you can say, hey, this creek feeds X, Y, Z, and that's where we get the water to treat. And But yeah, begin by looking at what's already happening and go to where the people are because it's really hard to bring people to you if you mm-hmm. don't have that established program and relationships. So mm-hmm. just start with where you're at and see what other people are doing and how you yeah. can partner. Cleanup events, definitely, you nailed it. That That is definitely the reason I had any success like in my city was we just started picking up trash and this one woman and I just would go around Priscilla Sanchez shout out we would go (laughs) around and just pick up trash from anywhere didn't matter where she would take me everywhere and she had litter tongs in the back she said let's go Arianne okay we're going and people what are you doing why are you doing this and it's just us two out there and she's like because this is what you're supposed to do and that has escalated into her and I and now she has on an annual basis, 13 to 20,000 volunteers doing the same thing year after year in that same community. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's an incredible story. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. We could, we could go on for hours. So if you <laughs> want to even get me started. <laughs> I'm sure George has tons of examples from, from his time in DC as well, about how you, how you make things a little more fun uh, in the everyday world that we all live in. I want to. I do want to pivot back to you guys' careers a little bit, um, and the evolution that you guys have, have both undergone. You know, in that evolution, what do you think is the single biggest impact uh, either one of you have made, either in a community or an organization or the water industry more broadly? So, when we talk to people about communication, we stress that you have to start within. So, you have to get your internal communication like be on point there before you can even hope to convey some sort of consistent, meaningful message to the public. And I think that that goes the same in terms of professional development. And so I think for me, the most impactful lesson that I've learned throughout my career is just how exponentially more I see that the dividends, I guess, when I invest in improving myself. Mm. So when I focus on myself, when, um, when I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, Brene Brown fan. So when I um, have the courage to be more vulnerable, when I have the courage to live my truth, um, when I'm speaking up, even when it's hard in areas that um, are important to my values. Mm-hmm. So I've just that's been a really impactful lesson, and that hasn't been one that I've done on my own. I've had incredible mentors along the way. I have done a lot of work on my own too, but. Um, I think of, and I've told this to someone else before, but a lot of us that are in this industry, especially related to the environment, we're incredibly passionate. I'm incredibly passionate. And one thing that I learned kind of early on, I'm glad, is that passion is kind of like the sun. Everybody needs a little bit to stay healthy, needs some of that vitamin D, but too much of it and you can get a sunburn. So Mm. I realized kind of early on in my career that I was giving people some sunburns. Because I would get so passionate about an idea or the way that I thought that we should be doing things that instead of like getting people to rally with me, I was actually kind of alienating people because I was just, because people were like, wow, I'm not on that level. So I don't even know if I can be a part of this. 
And so that was something that I learned early on. And that that doesn't mean that I've had to change myself or do anything like that. It's just, again, knowing my audience, another communication tactic there, and being mindful of who's in the room and um, getting people hyped about something where they're at so that we can all kind of move along together. Wow. Um, I guess I'll say um, an impactful lesson that I've learned throughout my career is... I guess if I had one word, it would be, um, authenticity for me. It is, um, I'm unapologetically, um, authentic, you, you know, so you you get what you see is what you get type of thing. And that has translated, um, into, I guess my, my sunshine, my sun story would be, um, (laughs) I ask why in a way that is, um, you know, a lot of time the intention is to really nail down and get the purpose and what are we really doing this for? Um, but some people would see that as, um, why are you stirring the pot? You're asking why, what are you doing here at the table? First of all, yeah. Um, why are you stirring this pot? You know, this is the way we've always done things. Um, and you know, why are you bucking the system? You're always bucking the system. And, I thankfully I met Greg Wukash, um, he, who's our mentor and pastor and friend and all of the above, every title you could have ever imagined. Um, and he kind of, when I first met him, he started asking that, but why, but why, why, why? And so he kind of, in a way, gave me permission that it's not just okay to ask why, it's like vital. You have to ask why. And for the good and bad, you know, people are going to, think I'm bucking the system. Fine. I'm bucking the system. We got to figure out what are we really trying to do here and why are we really trying to do it? Yeah. And, um, and that's just who I am like (laughs) naturally. So (laughs) that's always going to be like that. Um, and I think like the one thing that definitely changed, um, I also have a lot of anxiety, um, and I'm very authentic about, all of my ailments and problems <laughs> Very. and anxiety is, um, one of those ones that I struggle with big time. Um, and one, um, author, John Acuff, we actually got to interview him in our like first season ever, which season was a one. dream come true. Um, he wrote a book, he's written several books, but one that I actually read, which I don't get to read a lot of books. Um, he said a quote in there that done is better than perfect. And for me, that like fundamentally changed everything I do and what I tell clients and people every, I feel like every day now is that done is better than perfect. I can't agonize over every little detail anymore. We just got to get this done and move along and then we'll go from there and figure out what we need to tweak. Um, but I, don't I, know. I, I love those stories, <laughs> you know, and, and I couldn't agree with you more that the perfect is the enemy of the good. And yeah. Keeping moving, progress. You, we can always fix things. I love it. But I heard a lot of really insightful, authentic learning and growing, working with people. Uh, but yeah. perhaps one of the ones that strikes me the most, which I think speaks for us as individuals, but also in communications, is being intentional about it. Yeah. Whenever well, I talk about this, it's so often when people communicate, it's something that they sort of they do off the cuff. And they, they know it's like anything else. If you plan, prepare, are serious about it, you learn about it, you're always trying to improve. And then when you're communicating, you know your audience. It's just, it's incredible the success, as a, which is, of course, what people do if they're doing engineering or if yeah. they're doing water quality. Of course, they have to do those things. Yep. Communication is sort of, is for some, just sort of like a sideline, like, oh no, <clears throat> all that other stuff will not be presented right. And you heard it, hit it right on the head. Now, that just following is a perfect uh, question to follow that one. Each one of you suggests something that's really special um, or unique about your partner in crime, the, the H2O duo. Ooh, um, I'll start, I guess. Um, something, some, a couple things that's unique about Stephanie um, is. Well, hold on, I'm being interrupted. <laughs> oh, you wrote me a love note. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Cool. It's okay. It's the best kind of interruption. Yeah. yeah. It's, this is even better. I'm going to Grammys. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, okay, so something special about Stephanie is, first of all, she's an amazing writer. Um, it always just blows my mind how she can take 
this string of spaghetti that's all wound up in my brain and just pull out this beautiful sentence of just eloquence and succinctness and big words <laughs> and just a lot of um, thought and compassion in everything she writes and does. Um, something else I find I love about her is that she is so curious and reads about everything. And I feel like she has a zoo full of spirit animals. <laughs> and one day I want to enter that zoo and just hang out with them all because um, they're just, she reads so much about, you know, and with a, it's written by a lot of amazing authors and, um, and not, she doesn't just read it, but she makes us um, <laughs> listen to everything and really you know, sink in what she's reading and, and try to start, um, embracing ourselves. And so she gives me the cliff's note versions of a lot of the books and things that she's reading. Um, and I appreciate that probably more than she'll ever realize. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, mine would be, and I only have one, she had three, but, uh, she wrote hers down. So, um, Mine would be that Ariane has the ability to make everyone in the room feel comfortable. And I think that that's an incredibly important skill to have. Uh, as Ironically, because I'm extremely uncomfortable. I was going to say, which is crazy because she's probably the most uncomfortable person in the room. But mm -hmm. just whether you are the director of utilities or a CEO or a CFO or a field guy or a field gal, it doesn't matter who's in the room. Um, you could have $10 to your name or $10 million to your name. It doesn't matter. She'll treat all of you the same, <laughs> but also just has the ability to make everyone in the room feel comfortable. And, uh, and that's an incredible skill. Awesome. Oh, Great. Thanks. <laughs> so you guys are now three years into your journey, right? 2017 is when, when this journey kind of started for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you look three years down the road or five years or 10 years down the road, what to you is success for for the podcast, for mm. for the Rogue Lab, for for all of the work you guys are collectively doing together? Well, it feels like we've gone zero to sixty, zero to hundred, uh, with the lab uh, so far. Obviously, some things have slowed down a bit because of COVID nineteen, but um, it would be a dream situation to see Catalyst across the nation but catalysts that are a true representation of the OG Catalyst San Antonio, because I feel like it'll be a travesty for that program if it changes. And I'm not saying that it, like it shouldn't evolve and grow, but like it needs to have the same kind of spirit because it's yeah, really kind of the spirit of the experience that I think is the most incredible thing about Catalyst. Sure, you get to see great speakers, you meet great people, but I think the thing that that impacts people the most is just the feeling that they leave with when they go. Um, I would love to see Water in Real Life grow in listenership, if that's a, if that's a word, yeah, have more people kind of share. It is now. And it is yeah. now. <laughs> uh, share and grow that. But also, uh, you know, we've even been talking about experimenting with different kinds of shows. Ariane is What's funny about the we should start a podcast story is that Ariane said that in January of 2018 when she had never listened to a podcast before. So the first podcast that she listened to was our first one. Oh, wow. <laughs> but now I'm obsessed with them. But now she's an avid podcast listener. Yeah. And so she sees a lot of different show types and styles and some are more in-depth type um, kind of case story, case study shows. And so kind of experimenting with ways that we can engage with our listeners across different subjects in different ways. Um, and then we kind of have a bit of a teaser is that, as I said, Ariane and I are informal educators at heart. And thanks to, again, I think this is the third shout out to Greg Wukash at San Antonio Water System. But when we first started working together, Ariane and I, uh, he came and basically helped us revamp our entire education program at the city of Mansfield. Um, but the interesting what thing was is that we actually didn't change the menu of the 50, literally 50 programs that Ariane was doing. We just now had a strong sense of why we were doing each one because we were following the education model or hierarchy of competency or whatever fancy terminology you want to call to it. But it's just kind of the stages of bringing someone from awareness through to knowledge, through to skills, through to action. So 
making sure that each one of our programs in some way we're doing that. So for us, the podcast obviously is a, in a level of awareness and knowledge. Catalyst is all about learning those skills, but we are now working on a program that will incorporate that last piece, which is the most important piece, which is the action and participatory stage. And we are, will be calling those living labs. And that is all that I am going to spill at this point, because uh, this is one of the ways Ooh. that we, yeah. More to come. Right. More to come. Yep. Who is right. It's exciting. This is the way that we've pivoted with, uh, so all Thank Catalyst. You, COVID. And, yeah. So all of Catalyst 2020s were moved to 2021. And so now we're just challenging ourselves and how we're going to pivot and focus on for the we next We have six to eight months of free time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. sure. Oh man! Well, I I uh, I can only imagine what you all are cooking up and it's about to <laughs> unfold. And, it, and just as you said, when that contract fell through and you had eight months, when all your friends, at an enormous unexpected event that's unparalleled in in any of our lifetimes, mm-hmm. this hit. But if there's any two people who will creatively figure out how to turn this into an opportunity, it's going to be the two of you. So it's going to be really fun to watch as that unfolds. I think what Nathan and I are going to try to do now is what we're going to call a lightning round. Yeah. So we're going to fire some questions off to you. And these these require you to answer in really short little snippets. Are you you ready for those? George is like, cut it. Cut it, cut it close, ladies. Come on, let's go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yep. I would be unable to answer these questions, so my this would be a problem for me. But and Nathan, you want to take the first one, and then we'll just go from there. Absolutely, and, and we want to answer from both of you guys on on each of these. So, yep. First one: name a moment you felt most authentically you. Mm. That one's hard because I'm literally always authentically me. You, what what I said is what you see is what you get. But I think on the dance floor, I literally am at my, like, my soul is just open and on fire. I, I have the worst, best dance moves. I am Beyonce in my head. It does not look <laughs> like that on the dance floor. And I don't care at all. I love to dance. Love it. This is going to sound <laughs> like I'm taking a Debbie Downer turn, but I'm not. But uh, so I went through a divorce last year. And so I've had to have some really vulnerable conversations with my daughter over the past uh, several months. And so for me, I felt most authentically me during those conversations, because that has been my goal is to be living mm. my truth and to be talking to her as authentically myself. Um, well, God bless you both. And I uh, had some experiences on both of those fronts. <clears throat> but Aaron, I did not know. I was a dancer for 10 years in some respects. And I, <clears throat> I'd love to be on the dance floor. What does in some respects mean, George? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, there was a little dance troupe that we we danced in clubs and things. Yeah, but my I'm favorite, in. Oh, we have to find video I'm of in. that for sure. I'm in. They're, they're online. <clears throat> I'm in. Uh, they're, the thing I like best about what you said is it, and what I like watching <clears throat> is people who enjoy dancing. It doesn't oh, really yeah. matter whether they're good at it or not, because good is, what does that mean? Dance is all about mean? having fun and express, and if you go out there and have fun, that is the bottom line. It's so yeah. much fun to see. You'll Second understand question. what that means when you see Ariane dance. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, next Sorry. question. I am so glad I met blank this Ooh. year. Ariane has a legit answer because I'm also so stoked to have met the people she's going to say, but I'm going to say Shay Dunifin, who we just interviewed. She is a water educator with Florida in Florida and um, but involved in the same level like she was at with mid-year and it's so exciting to see educators um, at the table at that level yeah. so she's a badass mm-hmm. um, I'll say 12 midnight and Matt black sound so 12 Ta-da! midnight they're they are both two companies that are our video production official unofficial video production team official um, they are young scrappy entrepreneurs pivoting in covid badass folk and just full of heart they're so much fun to be around it's a joy to even get to zoom or just watch them vicariously through their instagrams and incredibly talented incredibly talented awesome uh next one boldness looks like blank living your truth oh wow that's a good one uh quitting your super safe city job and starting two startups while you have a (laughs) newborn and two little girls and a husband who's a farmer. 
Yep, that sounds like it to me. <clears throat> Boldness or craziness, or maybe uh, a little bit of both. But that's Turns good. Out I was po- postpartum, but no one asked me about that. <laughs> oh God, <clears throat> no comment. Um, next question: I stay curious by blank. Um, chatting with the people that we interview on Water and Real Life. Yeah, for me, reading. Mm. Yeah, in her synopsis for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this one is a little bit different given COVID, but because uh, you may be working at home, obviously, but I go to work every day so that my neighbors can blank. Demand better. Um, see their water system as an ally and not an enemy. Yes. Mm. Well, I love both, of the, love both of those. I always thought that it, the more we raised the stakes at DC Water, our customers knew us better. They'd want more, want more and that was exactly right. Yeah. So I yep. appreciate that. Okay, next one. Um, uh, what is something you are deeply grateful for? Mm. Um, I'm going to go a little heart heartfelt. Um, I'm going to say my kids, and that's because it took a long time for me to have the first two. Um, and they are, they're the reason why I said, F it, I'm going to quit my job and do this because I want to show them that they can be as strong and courageous and crazy and go with their gut. Um, and there's no, what, no better way to do that than doing it myself. Um, so where I was going to say, you know, something about working for a municipality and serving the public, um, truly it's, I'm, I wake up every day and I do this for them. And I'm super grateful that they are watching me even at four or five years old, scaring me a lot, (laughs) driving me crazy a bunch, but they're like, they're really, they're curious. What are you doing? What is this? What was that call? How was your day today? What did you do? They want to know everything. That's awesome. Super cool. Um, I would say this rogue journey because I, this has given, this journey has proven to me and has given me the permission to just be me and, mm-hmm. and live my truth. And it's made me so courageous. And if you, that's, what's crazy for me when people are like, oh, I could never be like you. And I'm like, I wasn't like this like three years ago, guys. Like, <laughs> yes, you can. I mean, is it for everyone? Like, no, but I mean, if you feel it a little bit, like explore it because yeah. this has been life-changing experience throughout the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. All right, last question. What's the one call to action you're most passionate about that you believe can change the world? Um, I say give each other more grace. Mm-hmm. Good one. I like that. Um, I'm going to echo a previous answer and just say to, to live your truth and to be yourself. We don't need a, we don't need a carbon copy of, of anybody else. Uh, There's a few, like, no, we don't need a carbon copy of anyone. I'll take a few more Georges around here. (laughs) Yeah, Especially in the utility. Yeah. Yeah, Not not in this household. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, just have the courage to step into to who you are and what you feel in your bones and in your heart and, and be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love those. And uh, f- concluding this fat, just fantastic. I feel like I'm sitting in your living rooms while we're having this conversation. <laughs> and I hope, I hope the <laughs> folks listening is, have gotten as much out of it as I have. I'm all fired up to go have that addict truth, grace, authentic, all of those things just ring true. But I guess we turn it back over to you now. This is, uh, this is your show. And thank you for allowing you sure? us. You guys are great. I mean, host. you got it. <laughs> Enjoy you. Fantastic. And, um, you kept this on time Nathan, and everything. You've been a great partner in crime. Thank you uh, for joining me and I'll turn it over to him too. This but what a great time this has been. And thank you so much for giving us the chance to learn from you. It's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to end until we say that George Hawkins, you played a massive role that I know you probably don't remember or realize, but <laughs> there are two points in our life where George Hawkins truly changed the, our thought process. And one was ACE 2016 in Boston. Mm. And oh we my go, God. Who the hell is this guy? He doesn't have a presentation or a PowerPoint. <laughs> this is not going to be great. Um, the very first time we ever saw someone get up at a utility conference and go, I'm going to do this my way. Yep. And so kudos to that. And then, in, again, we had you come to the North Central Texas Water Symposium. Um, and like I remember six that later. vividly. That was really fun. 
and we got to meet you in real life and we you're you're you are a celebrity yes um you are the water celebrity and so we were like gaga over oh my gosh george hawkins is coming to our backyard this is so cool and again you just took us under your wing and you were so kind and He's so hot. generous and just gave us you don't even realize how much encouragement and boldness you gave us so yeah. thank you for being open armed you're the ceo you're the badass you're up here at the top <laughs> and we were like he's like bringing us with him kind of on his journey too this is so cool yeah i read so a whole blog about up. that experience of first beating me so i'll post that in the show notes because it yeah. was pretty hilarious for us you don't well, know what uh, was happening in the background in our minds and what we were doing, but uh, I'll have to post that in the show. I notes. have video of her first meeting you, and she was like, I, like from across the room. And I was like, oh my God, zooming in. Oh my God, there she goes. Oh, she's so nervous. <laughs> well, that didn't seem any. Uh, I rem- I don't know if I remember the very first time or not, but I certainly remember meeting you early on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I say this from the heart, I gain far more from these interactions than you do. A lot of the level of energy and enthusiasm, that's what, what do you think charges me up? It's exactly that. So right back at you, I, 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 the two of you have been spectacular and wonderful. You're kind souls. You've made a huge difference in our sector and to me personally. So uh, oh, wow. keep going. Go, 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 go. Appreciate you. Right, right back to you now. Oh. Going to end with that. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we uh, made it awkward. By, no, by no, 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 no. <laughs> Trust me, I've, I've got the same feelings about all three of you guys that you guys just just mentioned. And you know, for those for those of you listening, know that hosting a podcast is not an easy thing. I've taken back back in 2013. I did a podcast back in Michigan, uh, and the preparation that goes into to these shows, the editing on the back end that goes into these shows, uh, is not an easy job. And so Stephanie and Ariane, thank you guys for all that you're doing to raise awareness around communications in the water sector, but also for the passion that you bring to the conversation every every single one of these podcasts. Oh, yep. Thank you. Episode 100 drops on May 25th, and I can barely even believe that that's a thing. So um, <laughs> maybe this is it. But uh, thank you so much for offering to do this. Uh, I know that having the questions fired back gives Ariane some anxiety, but I think, uh, I think that this is a really fun way for people to get to learn more about us and why we love what we do so much. And I think that's important because it's our story. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that. Um, and I hope everyone, uh, enjoyed this, uh, enjoyed this conversation because we did. And, uh, thank you again. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd Newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.